Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Power Motor Yacht Podcast, your birth to the best stories in boating. Each week, my colleagues and I will bring you everything from salty stories to thought-provoking trend discussions, as well as interviews with the most interesting characters to ply the sea. Whether you're listening from the boatyard, your slip, or hopefully well underway, we're glad to have you aboard. Hi, everyone. I'm Dan Harding, and welcome back to the Power Motor Yacht Podcast. Joined today by a special guest, my friend, Editorial Director, Bill Sisson. Hi, Dan. How are you? Bill, what's going on? Ah, beautiful day. Beautiful weekend coming up, and uh, we're going to have a nice pod today, too. So that's a, that's a good day. Uh, hopefully a boating weekend ahead and, uh, and a pod ahead of us. Yes, indeed. Fall is coming. Well, Bill, we have, I would, I normally say this, but we have a really different story for listeners today. The story of Bob Preston. And it's unique in that we recently profiled Bob in Power Motor Yacht, but he's also somebody you profiled as editor-in-chief, I guess, back in 2014? That's right. Yep. We, we ran into him then, you know, shortly after he'd been diagnosed with uh, Parkinson's disease. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, he was adjusting to that and about he was taking a cruise down through Florida into the Bahamas, mm-hmm. I believe. So Bob is just a, a really inspirational person, like like Bill just mentioned, diagnosed with Parkinson's. I think one of the first things he said to the doctor was, will I be boating in five years? And they said, well, you know, we don't know. You might be on crutches. You could be on a wheelchair. He said, well, neither of that, neither of those work for my boating schedule. And he just went about a really aggressive boating campaign. Yeah, he didn't let that slow him down, did he? he uh, Opposite. That's one of the remarkable things about him. He was, he knew what he wanted to do. He knew what his love was, boats, mm-hmm. being on the water, and he pushed. Uh, he pushed straight ahead, uh, you know, carefully, mm-hmm. but he wasn't going to let it slow him down until the disease really forced him to. Yeah, I mean, really, in, in fact, it gave him like a sense of purpose. He did a lot of, a lot of the cruising. He also kept a blog and did these YouTube videos to inspire others with chronic illness and, and also to raise money for different Parkinson charities. So he really, he really owned it. Right. Yeah, he, he really did. He did good things to bring awareness to the disease, mm-hmm. to help others with the disease. And he was really a role model and mentor for a lot of people, either that knew him or that he ran into and talked to. He had an expression that I liked, and that is that life begins at the end of your comfort zone. And right. he, he really lived that, I think. And uh, I think that's a good lesson for everybody yeah it's funny he's such a motivational person and he loves a good motivational quote which as do i i love i love throwing around a good quote so uh a quote carries a lot of weight the right quote you know that's right so we like to think so it's interesting you guys profiled him in 14 and really the reason why i decided to profile him just you know in the last few months is this year he came into his last boating season his profession was he worked in the insurance business so he was kind of this master of assessing risk and reward and ultimately decided that he was nearing the end of his time that he could be able to boat and boat safely. Yeah, he, uh, he knew risk and reward, and he was, he was a careful boater. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe last time you talked to him, he has you know, merely never had a mishap of any kind, never filed an insurance claim, so he was right, proud of that right. kind of safety record. And right. He talked about the situational awareness that he was proud of and that he'd, he'd bring mm-hmm. to the boat, and... Uh, I thought there was a lot of lessons there in terms of, you know, just squeezing as much out of life and as mm-hmm. much out of your bout and as much out of your time in the water as you possibly can when you can. Right. He knew there was kind of going to be there was going to be an end date there. Yeah. You know, a lot of us don't 
you know, a lot of us don't think about that. We don't know how long we really have. But he was a good example of getting a lot of time on the water with the time he had left. Yeah. And I think that's something we all can learn a lesson from. We don't know how much time we have, so we should use the time we we do have wisely. You know? Yeah. To, to me, that's one of the most poetic and, and cruel yet poetic things about this whole story is that when he sold his he sold his boat, his back cove, and he kind of negotiated that he'd be able to keep the boat until August first, so he can get one last one last cruise up to Maine, and and that's really what the whole genesis of this story was. Uh, you know, imagine what is a trip like when you know it's your it's your last. Right. That, that seems you know like a bittersweet kind of voyage. Yeah. And I'm I'm sure it was, but you know also very meaningful in a lot of ways to. To have that perspective, to say this is probably the end of it. Right. I, I don't feel I can do this safely any longer. Right. And uh, it's time to kind of to hang it up to swallow the anchor, so to speak. So mm-hmm. very poignant cruise, I'm sure. Yeah, and 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 thankfully the you know spoiler alert, but the cruise went off without a hitch, and he was you know he was kind of able to to really enjoy it and and savor it in that way. But yeah, bittersweet is probably is probably the best phrase for it. Yeah, and. You know, for him, it was, you know, a lot of people, when they get a diagnosis like that, they, they kind of shut down, they withdraw, they don't, you know, he lived life to the fullest still. He embraced it mm-hmm. and went ahead. And I think that's really his gift to not only himself and his family, but to everybody else that knows his story. You know, right. Like, right. you don't have to, there's still a lot of life left yeah. you know, after something like that. And he, he certainly showed that and got the most out of it. Well, Bill, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the spot here. In a, in a second, because one of the reasons I really wanted you on this was for two reasons. One, because you were familiar with the story as it ran in soundings, but you know, you, you've also faced one of these pivotal life or death moments a few years ago, and uh, and you guys both you both kind of inspired me in that way. But what was that like for you? Well, yeah, I you know I had a I had a brain aneurysm three three years ago, mm-hmm. sort of right out of the blue, the mm-hmm. bolt of lightning out of the blue, and. Uh, Next thing you know, you're in the ICU, and, you know, a month later, you're just getting out of the hospital. So, you know, I was fortunate. You know, that's the kind of uh, illness mm-hmm. or, or situation that can really set you back. And it, it, it set me back, but it didn't disable me in a, in a permanent way. So right, it was just right. a, you know, it's a, kind of a tough climb back physically, being able to walk with a walker to the mm-hmm. to the stop sign at the end of the street. I forgot how many steps that was. It wasn't many to, wow. you know, by... But by later in the spring, I was back uh, fishing again, stepping into a kayak for the first time, and then into my small powerboat after that. So, right, it was uh, it was nice to have survived it. I put it behind me as quickly as I could, mm-hmm. and uh, got back on the horse as fast as I could. So one one of the things you, you told me was that you know it was, it was definitely like a reset where you needed to you know put certain things into perspective and, and think about what what you wanted from your future, but that you kind of felt fulfilled with your, with your boating and, and fishing. Like you didn't have too many regrets left. And I, I think that's pretty powerful. Right. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many thousands of hours I spent on the water boating mm-hmm. and, and, and fishing. So I didn't, you know, I, and I'd gotten a lot of it, not never out of my system entirely. There's still stuff I want to do in, mm. in the fish world and the boating world, but I'd spent a long, you know, a lot of, a lot of time in my, say, from my early 30s into mm-hmm. my late 50s, mm-hmm. you know, on the water, fishing. A lot of the fishing was done after dark, so I could, you know, I could work mm-hmm. hard and keep a career going, and then I could fish late into the night. And uh, so it worked out for me. You know? Right, right. And uh, I think 
it's something everybody should should keep in mind that you don't want to wait till retirement to to really jumpstart your passion. You, you should try to find ways to do it while you're sort of in that prime of your life, mm-hmm. or when you have enough physical skills to do it as you know to go as hard as long and as deep as as you can. So yeah, you know, sometime yeah. in your thirties, your forties, and your fifties, mm-hmm. do it then. Uh, I'm going to be 68 this spring, and you know, last couple of years I've gotten. Got knocked down in the surf when I'm when I'm fishing. I've fallen off some rocks, so you know I have to take a little more careful. But uh-huh. I still go hard, but not like I could go at another time. So okay, I can understand where Bob is coming from, and uh, you know, and embrace it and get out of your comfort zone. But yeah, not go. Don't be reckless either. You know, Bob has a lot of lessons he can teach. In fact, he's actually spoken to different yacht clubs about cruising to the Bahamas and things like that. But you know, one of the last lessons he's kind of giving us as a boater is also how to step away gracefully um one of the one of the biggest questions i had from him was like you know why don't you leave your boat in the slip that's you know plenty of people do and you can still socialize on the dock you could still use it as a kind of a floating condo and i he quoted his father who said you know do something with full passion or not at all and and that that also stuck with me yeah, I like that too. I mean, he wanted to do, he wanted to, to boat and cruise the way he thought it should be done. You know, he had his code or he had a proper way to do it, and, right. and that's what he wanted to do. And I, right. I respect that. And, you know, so many, you see that in so many athletes today that they have, they have gifted careers, but they, they often don't know when to step away from it. You know? Right, right. The, the adulation or the locker room, whatever it is that keeps them long after they have any financial need to stay in the sport, they stay. Anyway, and, you know, sometimes they tarnish their legacy as a result of it. Um, you know what I think it maybe is, is that, uh, especially with athletes, I think it's their sport becomes so intertwined with their identity. And then, I mean, that's, and that's clearly what, what Bob has. I mean, he's, he's probably known among his friends and family that, you know, Bob's a boater. You know, that's, right. that's his passion, but it's also part of his identity. So that's, that makes it hard, even that much harder to step away when he could say, oh, you know, the main trip was good. I, I can get one more season. I can get one more year. Yeah, I think it is. I think that was part of his identity. And, you know, he he did step back a little bit because he probably narrowed his cruising horizons and what he mm-hmm. could do. Mm-hmm. Um, for athletes, you know, they have to play at that high level all the time. And so it's probably a little bit more difficult to say, right, you know, right. the, the end is near. This is when I should step off. Right. I don't fish the way I used to fish, but I still am able to fish and and, and do those kind of things and, and to do it in a, you know, not so uh, high level as I used to. And I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with that, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, one, la- one last thought, and I'm going to jump in and actually read, uh, read my story in his own terms. But one thing that was also somewhat poetic is that I – I was there on the first day of his last season. I was able to join him when he took his boat from Portland, Connecticut, over to Wickford, Rhode Island. And it was interesting. As he's beginning his last season, we went past the mooring field in Essex where I am keeping our new powerboat, our, our first season with the, with the Bertram. Really being at different ends, hopefully, of our, mm. of our boating career, it, I was very thankful to have met Bob and Becky. And, uh, you know, they left me with a lot of – a lot of perspective that I hope to keep with me in the in the years to come. Yeah, and the, I mean, there's lessons for all of us there. Mm-hmm. I can see they're just getting out of your comfort zone. You know, right. I think you know, at my age, I'm still, you know, pushing myself to try to do things that I'm not always that comfortable doing. But that's important if you're going to stay vital and, and yeah. stay in the game and, and, and live life, you know. Right. So 
I think there's a lesson there for all of us. You're at one end of the scale, Bob's at another, and mm-hmm. uh, it's a good lesson for everybody, I think. Absolutely. So I think, Bill, I, I really appreciate your time. It's been, uh, it's been helpful to talk this out with you. I've enjoyed talking about Bob and, and the, the life he's had and still, still has, but, you know, his, his sort of his kind of a remarkable boating life, the remarkable chapter he's had since he was diagnosed with Parkinson's is something to be, to be celebrated. Uh, that's, that's such a good point. So I guess on that note, the only thing left is uh, I'm now going to read on his own terms, which is going to appear in the November issue of Power Mordiat. Enjoy. Bob and Becky sit side by side, sharing a pie at Mystic Pizza. Faded photos from the 1988 rom-com that was shot there hang on every wall. It's late August, and the town in eastern Connecticut is abuzz with tourists savoring the last bites of summer. The couple, once avid boaters, are just beginning to navigate a new, boatless chapter of their lives. They sold their backhoe 41 a couple weeks prior, and it was, at least for Bob, one of the cruelest goodbyes he'd ever experienced. Bob Preston is an expert at assessing risk. For decades, he's spent 55 hours a week weighing risk versus reward while running the Preston Insurance Agency, a company founded by his father. His Rolodex of customers includes prominent boat builders, boaters, and landlubbers alike. Deciding whether to provide insurance to a stranger was not simple, but it was straightforward. Child's play compared to assessing yourself, which is exactly what he's been wrestling with in recent years. When assessing the boating season ahead, and the toll his 15-year battle with Parkinson's disease was having on his body, he was forced to make the dreaded decision of giving up his boat, and with it, his most prized pastime. Thanks to a combination of business acumen and a white-hot brokerage market in the spring of 2021, he found an eager buyer for his backhoe 41, Family Ties 4. When negotiating the sale, the new owner agreed to hold off on delivery until August 1st. Enough time for Bob and Becky to enjoy one last adventure, a farewell cruise up the coast of Maine. I met the intrepid couple on the first day of the last season when they took the boat from its winter home in Portland, Connecticut to its summer slip in Wickford, Rhode Island. The couple, both wearing spin-lock inflatable PFDs, was in lockstep as they worked through their proven pre-departure checklist, which they keep written on a small dry erase board. Bob checks his electronics as Becky stows their belongings. Some of the many side effects of Parkinson's include slow movement, rigid muscles and impaired posture and balance, all things that make the likelihood of a man overboard situation much more likely, and ups the difficulty of getting Bob back aboard many times over. Becky appears to wear hers in solidarity. I offer to make myself helpful during the departure, but quickly find that they have this practice choreography down to a smooth waltz. Becky, who's no stranger to driving the boat, swiftly removes the lines and helps guide Bob out of the marina and into the channel. As we settle into a trot down the Connecticut River, Bob and I make small talk about family, boats, and the weather. Parkinson's disease, caused by the degeneration of cells in the nervous system, has left Bob with a significant stutter, a tack-sharp mind physically imprisoned. At times, the stutter is so severe that Becky gently reminds Bob to breathe and to slow down. Of all the things Bob's good at, Slowing down was never one of them. He was diagnosed with Parkinson's on July 27, 2006. The first thing out of my mouth was, will I be boating in five years, says Bob from the helm. They said, we don't know. You might be on crutches. You might be in a wheelchair. So I replied, that doesn't work for my boating schedule. Shortly after his diagnosis, he upgraded from a backhoe of 33 to a 37. Better for crossing destinations off their bucket list. Next stop, the Bahamas. 
When a very close friend heard I was going to do a 5,000-mile trip, he told me, you can't do that with PD. But it never crossed my mind that I couldn't do this, says Bob. I can do spirit goes hand-in-hand with optimism. Vince Lombardi once said, you learn to quit, it becomes a habit. So does success. Along their journey to the islands, Bob blogged and shared videos on YouTube aimed at inspiring others fighting chronic illness. I wanted to demonstrate how an optimistic outlook is critical in fighting any chronic illness. I wanted to raise awareness about the disease and the one and a half million Americans like me and to raise funds for the Michael J. Fox Foundation. During that journey and subsequent trips, they raised approximately $400,000 for various Parkinson charities. After years of successful cruising, inspiring others and raising money with every nautical mile, came the hard reality that this disease had progressed to a point where he couldn't ensure his crew's safety. Risk versus reward. While I'm still beating back this insidious disease, I've had to make adjustments and give consideration to the effects of Parkinson's, begun an email I received from him. My big issue in this instance is remaining a safe boater. All modesty aside, I've had a great record on the water for the better part of five decades. That is that I've never hurt anyone on my boat, never had to file an insurance claim for doing something really stupid. This perfect record, I fully realize, is part pure luck and also due to the fact that I worked really hard at maintaining a high degree of what I call situational awareness. In any event, because of Parkinson's, I no longer have that, I hate to use the word gift, but now that I've lost it, I'm better at recognizing what a gift it was. We're cruising Long Island Sound when I ask him if he would ever consider doing what so many boaters do and leave the boat in a slip in perpetuity, giving a second life as a floating condo. Through strained speech, Bob explains that staying back at the dock was never his cup of tea. He preferred to anchor to a nearby cove or cruise to a favorite destination. To him, staying on a boat chained to the dock would be a reminder of what he couldn't do anymore and what he couldn't have. Adventure. My dad used to say, do something with passion or not at all, he says. Reflecting on nearly five decades of boating, Bob wrote the following in a Facebook post. While Parkinson's can take my physical abilities and mental capacities, it's not touched the memories of navigating family ties 2, 3, and 4, a conservative total of 21,000 nautical miles, through all kinds of weather, both good and bad, and even snowstorms. My wife and I traveled from Canada to the Bahamas, both coasts of Florida, as well as many, many of the Florida Keys, with hundreds of stops in between. Here's the thing that amazes me. We did it without a single major breakdown. The repairs were limited to normal routine maintenance, such as water pump impellers, windshield wiper motors, sump pumps, fuel pumps, and such, but nothing that stopped our travels. This is so unusual in the boating world that it deserves special thanks to Sabre and Backhove for the quality builds. It's kind of important when our plotted course takes you directly through the Bermuda Triangle, not just a few times, but on many, many occasions. Becky hands me her iPad at the table in Mystic to swipe through happy memories made during their mostly uneventful last trip to Maine. She says she's thankful that they're moving on from the boat. The stress of something going wrong or Bob having a health emergency weighed heavily on her. But for Bob, the last few weeks have been bittersweet, but he remains steadfast in his decision. The couple holds out hope that their children will get a small boat and that they'll have a front row seat to their grandchildren spending time on the water. Bob tells me that he's planning on on attending the upcoming Newport Boat Show, proving that you don't need to have a boat to be a boater. For most of us, the decision to give up the boat is made little by little. Use the boat less while fluctuating costs strain a fixed income. That's what makes the case of Bob Preston so unusual. His time as as a boater had a definitive expiration date. August 1st, 2021. 
Time enough for one last hurrah, one more adventure in the watery world he calls home. I worried about Bob and Becky as they began that last trip. They had such high hopes for a satisfying last cruise, and boats being the fickle creatures they are, I hoped a wayward lobster pot or engine issue would not rear its ugly head. Bob deserved the hero send-off he so deeply desired. While the idea of a last cruise is heartbreaking, there's also something oddly beautiful about it. I imagine that boating expiration date would make every sunrise and sunset that much more serene, every bite of lobster that much sweeter, every encounter with an old friend or a familiar port that much more special. Some might be tempted to feel bad for Bob, who was being forced to give up his boat while straining to speak through a stutter. But spend even a little time in his orbit, and you quickly realize he doesn't feel sorry for himself. He considers himself to be the luckiest man alive. I think that's something we could all learn from. Thank you for listening to the Power Motor Yacht Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor and leave us a review or rating. Or you can share us with your friends on social media or on the VHF. Anywhere you spread the word means a lot to us. Thanks again, and until next time, we'll see you on the water.